0: One of my favorite things about science fiction is its power to punch up and push back against capitalism, corporate greed, and systemic oppression. It's always a necessary message. Now, more than ever. Welcome to the Fantasy Inn, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. I'm your host, Travis Tippins. This week's interview is with podcaster, Cole Burkhart, creator and director of the Nolan Void audio drama. They've also acted in and sound designed more shows than I can count. Cole and I discussed the power of audio fiction, practical advice for aspiring voice actors and sound designers, and the importance of representation in the media we consume. So on that note, let's just jump right into the interview and hear what Cole had to say. Cole Burkhart, welcome to the Fantasy Inn. I'm so glad you could come on the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, to start things off, something I kind of like to ask everyone in some shape or form is what was your journey into discovering science fiction and fantasy?
1: Oh, Uh, I was a big reader as a kid. I loved fantasy. There was a running joke uh, among my friend group and the librarians who were also part of my friend group is that I had read the entirety of our fiction section while I was in uh, middle school, which is probably true. I started from A and made my way down to Z. And it wasn't until I would say I got a lot older and went into college that I ended up delving into sci-fi. A lot of them were like movies and stuff, but I did end up reading like Ender's game and a lot of those like big types of sci-fi with like outer space and other worlds and didn't really see a whole lot of like the smaller day-to-day sci-fi
0: honestly i'm i'm not even sure what i would classify as the smaller day-to-day sci-fi um but yeah
1: like uh so a lot about sci-fi is like going to space and exploring and like developing the technology past that in order to give you like a a look into how it's done but it doesn't really take into consideration the smaller things of how those advanced technology would influence like society and how people would just have like even something as like having a bus that is just a little bit better or or having like voice or hologram calls or just the the i guess even just null and void where they have the i guess some spoilers for null and void but um how adelaide is able to like beam herself down isn't something that's able to be done and a lot of the coding is like new code that's been developed as they've made room for the bigger things they're working on um is what i mean when i say like small sci-fi
0: okay i got you yeah i know uh, personally that's kind of my favorite kind of sci-fi or fantasy or where it's more focused on the human element than the tech or the fantastic
1: yeah it's like um it's kind of like black mirror Black Mirror, I guess I would consider small sci-fi in that it is mostly focused on human stories and it is something that could happen in the present, but there's always one specific type of technology that is futuristic that we don't have quite yet.
0: That's that's a good, if potentially a little bleak uh, example. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> so I guess following on from that, how did you discover the world of audio dramas and podcasting in general?
1: Um, A friend recommended me uh, Welcome to Night Vale uh, while I was in college. It was still relatively new at the time. I think they only had maybe, like, 30 episodes up, and I fell in love with it. From there, I moved on to the usual, like, uh, the Adventure Zone, and from there I kind of got into, like, the Bitter world, especially with, like, Welcome to Night Vale and all of that creepy abstract horror. I, I was able to see a lot of myself in audio dramas like that, and it was kind of, like, the bigger draw for me to get into it. It also, I guess, I, I started getting more into it because of the fact that I wasn't able to read quite as much, um, not just because college killed my love of reading but because I had commutes and can't really read and drive at the same time or like if I'm gonna read I'm gonna get so absorbed into it I'll miss my metro stop but having a podcast is just something I, I can turn on and listen to in the background while I'm going about my day or when I'm driving through traffic and I I normally listen to like Night Vale for when I'm trying to fall asleep because it's it's very great soothing background noise for most episodes, but being able to experience things like Taz or Wolf 359 or, or things like that, it's more easily accessible. And I think that's what I, I really liked about the medium.
0: I kind of had a similar transition, where as soon as I started getting a regular commute, uh, all of my reading time Mm -hmm. kind of disappeared. And so (laughs) I I actually made the switch into audiobooks Mm -hmm. at the time and was continuing there. But then I discovered podcasts after that, and so now I kind of alternate 50-50 or so.
1: Yeah. A lot of the audiobooks I listen to are. Uh, well, I don't have a lot of like opportunities to go out to the library or or like hit up books like that where I can get those audiobooks. Um, I remember when I was a kid, they used to hand out like cassette uh, cassette tapes, um, and you would get this big old binder full of cassette tapes for that is like each and every chapter of the book, and you'd have to dry out your old player and play through all of that. And now I'm seeing people pulling out these giant binders of cds worth of audiobooks um or or mp3s or or wav files or whatever audible and the others do and it's it it's so reminiscent of a yonder day but also still like still still new and exciting
0: Yes, although I will say the one minor trend in audiobooks that I'm not a huge fan of as someone who enjoys uh, fiction podcasts is when they try to do like the audio dramatization version yeah. of it and they'll add in sound effects, it'll just be like random noises on top of the regular book. Yeah.
1: It, you, you can tell, like, it it is good that they are trying to make it a more immersive world, but you can tell they still have a lot to learn in translating it to like an audio drama.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, uh, I kind of already touched on this sort of, but what intrigues you about the audio medium other than just ease of listening over, say, like a written one?
1: Um, I, I like the... Oh, what's the, what's the way to say this? Um, I like the fact that there are are multiple characters. Just like in audiobook, you normally just resign to the narrator and that narrator doing voices for all the characters. But having multiple cast and crew adds so much more to the story. I don't have to imagine what someone sounds like because they they do and it also it also lends itself to like to a little bit more improv and sounds a little bit more natural than just someone reading off a page it's very endearing as someone who enjoys telling stories as well
0: yeah the the natural sound i think is a big thing for me mm-hmm. as well i know part of the reason why i'll switch over to podcast rather than an audiobook is i'll be falling asleep or something they're just kind of yeah. reading out as if someone's yeah. reading a story to you which can be great and soothing but uh the more natural element of just like regular spoken dialogue from an audio drama that it's kind of nice yeah
1: i i want to hear i i can't go to th- i can't go to the theater not just because of the current hellscape that the world is but because theater is expensive and this is kind of the same thing as theater, except I can't always see what the actors look like or, like, it still allows me to imagine the world, but also lends itself to some creativity.
0: Yeah, it's really kind of the classic radio drama movie in your mind kind of thing. Mm-hmm without like I think there's like an audible competitor that does the same thing but they charge like 70 bucks for a book in audio drama form
1: no it's free that's oh yeah that's another thing podcasts are free (laughs) and I can choose if I want to support a creator or or go find more of their work free is also a very big draw for me
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely well, so I know you're kind of involved in quite a bit in the scene of podcasting, and one of those being, uh, as we're talking about, that stands out from audiobooks is the voice acting. So how how did you get involved in voice acting?
1: So originally, uh, I... Actually, through Tumblr, um, which shows how old I am. Um, I had been on Tumblr for a minute. Um, I'd gotten into the the Taz, the, the Adventure Zone kind of scene area of that Tumblr. And someone had put out a call because they wanted to make an actual play kind of based off of Taz. And I did it. It was called Blue Dawn. I learned a whole lot of stuff about it. But through Blue Dawn, I got more into like the actual play podcasting world of it and found uh, a couple small bits to get myself into it and then really I think I really got into voice acting when I landed the role for Unplaced which is a fantastic podcast written by Michelle Nicholson um voiced by me (laughs) um and that was kind of like the oh I might actually have like a place here um and really really enjoyed it I liked theater. I will admit I was a jock in high school, but I really enjoyed theater, except I have stage fright. <laughs> and so like I couldn't get up in front of those large audiences and act in the way that I wanted to. But switching over to voice acting, it's a lot easier to act for people when you don't have anyone looking at you. <laughs> I don't want to be perceived, and voice acting lets me do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I-, I can imagine that's a pretty big draw. So what, what are the kind of like the most challenging or the most fun parts of voice acting
1: oh um I guess definitely the most challenging is trying to work off someone who's not necessarily in the same room as you you can do like remote recording and things like that and during read-throughs there are people on like on the other side of that call but a lot of at least um for me i'm i'm uh i'm partially deaf and so a lot of my conversation is based on how people act while they're talking because it's it's also a little bit hard for me to pick up like tone and things like that especially over text or like if someone is like messing with me or whatever so trying to reply to someone who isn't necessarily there got to be a little bit challenging because like I can't see how they're reacting to me saying something so I have to kind of guess on this reaction and even if I'm on a voice call with them they may say something one way but have their attitude be a completely different way and trying to parse through that can be a bit difficult but I'm blessed to have had so many fantastic co-stars and co-voice actors that um while it is challenging it's also a lot of fun to do uh to to meet all these cool people and to be able to like talk and learn their experiences as well and just being able to like riff off each other and and improv some scenes and just the act of recording with someone even if they're not in the same room is still really satisfying to me.
0: I love how uh, it seems like A good number of creative types are kind of somewhat introverted, but the whole podcasting (laughs) together kind of thing, it gives like that sweet spot. It seems like where, you know, you're kind of remote, but you're getting that active communication with people.
1: 100%.
0: Well, so if someone were to tell you they wanted to get into voice work, what would be your advice to them?
1: Um, I would have two words of advice or well, two, two things of advice. First one, you don't need any fancy mics to get into voice work. I, I know some people uh, who started voice acting using their iPhone as a microphone. I started off with a Snowball mic. You don't need all those big fancy SM58s uh, or 62s or whatever to become a good voice actor. That comes later once you have the money to purchase it. But you don't need anything super expensive to get into voice acting. The other thing I would recommend is to... Take an acting class. I know that that sounds kind of, like, snarky and self-explanatory, but, like theater while it doesn't really translate to an audio medium still has a lot of the same beats as an audio drama they're they're pulled from the same crop i guess and will also help you to just get a little bit more more loose behind the scenes so you aren't so stiff when you're reading through your lines cuz you know the exercises to do and you've have experience not just behind a mic but up on a stage to
0: act yeah that's that's great advice it's the kind of thing that it It seems like, well, of course that that should be the advice, but it probably doesn't occur (laughs) to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Well, we've... talked about a lot and not actually got into like your show at the moment so how would you pitch null and void
1: uh null and void is a modern sci-fi audio drama about a young woman named piper whose voice who uh whose life is saved by a mysterious voice named adelaide um sorry i've had to do this elevator pitch a lot for people (laughs) Um, uh together adelaide and piper and her friends have to save their town from a team of ruthless billionaires who stand to destroy it it is about not only finding your place in the world, but it struggles with it struggles a lot with um, depression and, and finding friendships and v- figuring out the value of your worth, especially in terms of how other people and how other majorities will view you. It's about fighting for what is right and not letting people give you shit for it. Sorry, I didn't ask. Can we curse? Am I allowed to curse? Yes, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably should have led with that. But yeah, curse away. And yeah, I, I love that pitch, which sorry for making you give that, I'm sure, the no. thousandth time, <laughs> uh, but it, it just hits like so much of what I like in uh, fiction. Yeah. So again, like we were talking about that personal story on everything with still some cool speculative technology elements in there.
1: Um, This is, I guess, technically not a spoiler because that episode released uh, last week, but a lot of what Adelaide is, is kind of like the ideas I have for for science in general. Adelaide is an AI that was working for a billionaire company to do evil throughout the world and becoming self-aware and seeing the stories of other people how those big big evil doings have affected them negatively made her realize that she didn't have to be working as a tool for people to spread evil that she can go out and do some actual change for the better i think a lot of science is that way that it is normally something that is created to to help but in the end it's turned and used for well for bad um which is very reductive and a simplified version of everything unchecked science and unchecked like work in general always has the potential for someone to use it for evil all it takes is a very small but vocal minority for folks to realize that hey maybe we shouldn't be doing this in the first place or maybe hey we need to make a change and i wanted that to be reflected throughout null and void of we can't just let people get away with the evil shit that they're doing just because they're big and bad and intimidating we have to hold ourselves and also them responsible for the work that they are doing
0: that's a concept that unfortunately always feels like it's getting more and more applicable to the world yeah, so yeah
1: yeah yep <laughs> Um, when I wrote when I sat down to write this a year and a half ago I was fully not expecting 2020 to go the way that it did but
0: here we are I would hope you weren't I I can't expect what's happening like on a day to day basis so so uh, frankly I I feel like this is kind of a silly question but I'm going Mm -hmm. to ask it anyways Uh, so why choose billionaires as the big bads for null and void
1: so uh, I used to work at an HOA and then moved on to a luxury apartment housing complex. I did some concierge and some leasing agent work for them. And every single step of the way, the one thing that would stop people from getting a house or not being fined ridiculous amounts of numbers were the leaders behind it. Um, and these were run by like big corporations of people who were, it seemed like the only reason they had those clauses and contracts or they had those rules in the first place was was to not only be able to charge people way too much money, but to make themselves more money. Um, A lot of it was also, like, just straight up gentrification. Um, They can't come forward and say that because that's like, housing to only white people is illegal. But also there are steps they would take to make sure that people of color and other marginalized identities wouldn't be able to rent from them or would be less inclined to rent from them and watching them sit there and be able to do it and being able to shoot down anyone who tried to tell them hey what you're doing is bad was very frustrating to me it seemed like they didn't care about the people they were trying to find houses for or they didn't care about the people they were trying they were supposed to be taking care of and not being able to do anything about that was heartbreaking to me i i have I am no longer working for for either of those two companies, but like being put in a situation where you're directly contributing to someone's not getting a house or to, uh, just being bullied out of their neighborhood wasn't a good feeling for me, and I wanted that to be reflected in the stories that I wrote.
0: Yeah, when I when I first started listening to Null and Void, I was telling all of my co-bloggers that this is like the eat the rich show that I've been looking for for a while like this is the fuck yeah. capitalism yeah. story that i've been missing
1: i uh i especially during college i was uh on food stamps and had to go on um specific uh, uh unemployment things and just the way that people treated me and also the others who needed help was kind of disgusting. It was like they hadn't thought about what it what it meant to literally, to to either have to choose between paying rent or buying food for that month um and just seeing that reflected in the actions of people where were was I don't, I don't know i I couldn't stand it um and needed to write down some cathartic uh stories about finally winning against major corporations and and bid bad billionaires
0: yeah this is a uh the more relevant version of kind of like, I don't know, escapism and processing current events uh, than like going off on an epic quest to throw a ring into a volcano or something.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Well, kind of on a craft side of things, like on the meta level, I'm curious about your choice to make the teaser episode, like the standalone piece of microfiction that complements the overall story? Because I know a lot of times you'll get just like sound clips taken from the first couple episodes, right. but this is its own unique thing. Uh,
1: so I actually didn't write the teaser. One of my script editors, Amber, she's a uh goddamn delight um she came to me apropos of nothing and was like hey i did a trailer for you me and my friend did this in like a half an hour in in our our front room um what do you think about it we could probably use it as like a script or a like a jumping off point for our like actual trailer and i listened to it and it was like it was fantastic it was exactly what i wanted To be representative of of Null and Void, not just the story, but how people are affected by these tragedies um, and how it it focuses on these individual stories um, in the same way that we see these individual lives within the story of Null and Void are... Affected. Wow, that was a very circular sentence. Um, (laughs) I I wanted to keep that trailer as it was because it focuses on individual stories. And we get to see how people are affected by those tragedies in the same way that we see tragedy reflected in the actual story is what I mean to say by all of that.
0: Yeah, and I think that comes across very well in that trailer.
1: Yeah, Uh, there's a second one that got written and partially recorded, but thanks to COVID and all of that, we didn't have a chance to finish it. Uh, that is another like standalone microfiction piece that kind of delves a little bit more into the background of Null and Void. Um, I will probably expand upon it and release it as like a mini episode at the end of the season, if and when we take our break. But it also delves more into like, oh, now you can actually see that this is Null and Void's fault or that this is Void Network's fault, um, that these things are happening and not just, like, accidents.
0: So, for people who maybe aren't quite as familiar with audio dramas or audio fiction, can you describe what your role as the creator and director of Nolan Void entails?
1: <laughs> um, besides just writing it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I was in charge of basically everything across a podcast. Um, I wrote it, uh, I hired editors to look through, as well as did final edits for it. I wrote the press kit for it, designed our website, uh, all of our social media I did all of the crowdfunding I wrote up contracts for everyone who was involved so our voice actors our sound editors um my my editors also had to uh sign contracts that were confidentiality as well as pay agreements um I organized read-throughs I worked with the voice actors very heavily on like all of the characters and their backgrounds and how all of these people kind of tie together um I also communicated with our audio editors, not only with, like, the sound effects I wanted to see in script, but how I wanted the overall tone of the show to be. Um, I also did quality control checks on their work, which means I, I listened through it and was like, oh put put like this sound effect here or turn this up or I want the pacing of this sentence uh, or scene to to be this particular way instead. Even just uploading all of the episodes and um, I I don't w- write all of the episode descriptions. We actually have a master coder who r- writes some of the code work and double checks my efforts on writing the code work um, that you can find in our, our episode descriptions. But I worked very heavily with uh, uh, our coder Who uh, I guess helped integrate the narrative structures of the story into the actual, like, actual factual code, um, uh, like Python code that we have written there. I also, oh goodness, I do a lot of stuff. Um, directing and producing a podcast means you do a lot of stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm so thankful that I'm not doing this alone. I have my editors and my voice actors and my, my audio, my audio editors to, to help make this all just a lot easier than it probably would have been if I was doing this by myself.
0: Yeah, and from what you have described, you're already doing a ton. <laughs>
1: podcasting is is a a full-time job and like it it, i i hate assigning like a price to creative works because i didn't start null and void as a job i did it because i had a story i wanted to tell but the act of podcasting and making and creating a podcast really is a full-time job and people don't get paid nearly enough to do it but i guess that's one of the things you have to keep in mind when you're making art is there are a lot of moving pieces but you you really don't have to do it alone
0: it's sort of like a, a double-edged sword i guess we were talking earlier about how great it is that podcasts are typically free yeah but then that kind of feeds into the whole like, like
1: people aren't you can't get yeah with free
0: <laughs> exactly yeah you can't eat exposure yeah um <laughs> yeah exactly it doesn't help with the whole like oh like why should i have to pay for art mentality that a lot of people seem to have i
1: i i don't i never got that i i always try i always try and live by the the mantra um that it's uh make art pay rent help others do the same because art is transformative and art can help influence and make the world a better place but it also means that people need to be out there making it and doing the labor of making it so they should be i suppose paid for the change they are trying to incite art i think still should be free to some extent but also i understand people wanting to get paid for their art
0: yeah, it's it's an interesting balance between, I guess, accessibility of the art to people and then yeah. also like actually letting the artists live and eat food yeah. and have a roof over their heads.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. It's kind of like like the issue I have with um with Luminary um, is they they put all of their podcasts behind a paywall. um, And so people who can't afford a Luminary subscription aren't like aren't going to. They're not going to be able to hear the podcasts that are behind it. But it also means that those artists who have their podcast with Luminary are going to be paid. So it's it's a good thing in that they're getting credit for their work, but also I'm not going to go listen to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much exactly how I feel about that. Mm. It's, it's an odd, I mean, I don't think bigger business kind of like air quotes capital big business has really mm. figured out I art in general but podcast specifically i think they're still yeah. trying to figure out how the hell to handle that
1: oh there was an article released by i think oh i think npr a couple of weeks ago about how podcasting is like this new like craze that's happening i'm like we've been here for 10 years like, <laughs> good job. like 10 15 years like come on guys do a little bit more research please
0: that's the thing is as soon as you know like anything about podcasts you realize how much like the big journalists and everyone don't know anything about them
1: yeah and it's it's such a small niche like normally when I'm talking when someone asks me like oh what do you do I'm like oh well I I make a podcast like 50 percent of the time well I'd say like 40 percent of the time I hear people go okay well what's a podcast and then I have to start with like okay well you know what a like a radio show is you know like a radio drama and they're like oh yeah i'm like it's that but on the internet and then that kind of gets them open to like oh that's what a podcast is even though we've we've been here for so long it's very easy to forget that well the internet's only been here for so long and a lot of people don't have access to the things that would grant them access to a podcast
0: yeah that is true Okay, another question I have is, so you said that you have your sound engineers, you hire the audio editors, uh, for Null and Void. But I understand you also have some experience with that side of things. I mean, I guess obviously you'd have to if you're giving them feedback. So what what types of editing have you done before?
1: Uh, so I mostly started off in the actual play uh, side of podcasts. Um, I had my own podcast, Blue Dawn, which ran for about three seasons. Uh, we had, I think, 70 to 80 episodes uh, when we were all done. Um, and I did all of the editing for that. Um, so I put together all of the voice tracks. I added sound effects. And music. Thankfully, I didn't have to make music. We had a fantastic uh, musician, Corv Leary, uh, Piper Leary, if you're nasty, um, who uh, <laughs> who um, who did all of our music and would provide me and we'd be able to to work together to shape the music around a particular scene instead of just having these pre-recorded tracks that I would have to find places to fit in um you can't find the podcast anymore it's been so long we've had to take it down off Libsyn because no one wanted to pay for it um but we had these very like audio fiction focused scenes sometimes where they were less about the gameplay of uh dungeon world and more about like how these characters interacted and we were able to edit it down or i was able to edit it down sorry i need to take responsibility for my accomplishments i was able to edit it down into something that was really similar to an audio fiction much in the same way that um Dodds uh, Fall and The Rise of the Dodds are able to take gameplay and turn it into a fully immersive world, I tried to aim to do the same thing with Blue Dawn and would put in music or clashing of swords whenever I had the chance. Um, I got to experiment a lot with like magic and how magic sounds in the world, which was very fun. And then from Blue Dawn, I did a couple others and then moved on to uh, my first sci-fi audio drama, which was project Ozma, part of the deuce thunder podcasting network project Ozma was a uh, a fun struggle for me because it was like i had all of these like things for magic but i didn't have any sound effects for like sci-fi and had to go out and create some or or finding footsteps for the uh it was an ensemble cast so they had uh like 20 characters needed individual footsteps for and some of them were aliens so those footsteps sounded different and I had to figure out what their science sounded like because a lot of the like constructs they had within Project Ozma were the generic spaceships but also like I remember one was like a clockwork bird, and I had to figure out what that sounded like, and a lot of like the different robot voices that we did um, and I just because all of the other sound editors fell off or weren't able to have the time to edit, I ended up taking over the majority of um the majority of the sound design for that all the way down from bleeps and bloops to what a robot stepping in liquid slime would do to its processing parts uh it was it was a lot of fun and i've stuck on with the juice thunder network um specifically that that one writer has brought me on to do the sound effect sound effects and uh line uh audio design for Novi uh, novitero which is a technically sequel to project ozma and i've been able to carry all of what i've learned from that onto novitero um I've done a couple small things oh let me pull up and see what i've done because i i can't remember everything that i've done um i've also kind of branched out into um uh, like talk show design um i edit for the game closet which is a tabletop rpg talk show highlighting queer representation and have gotten have had so much fun being able to edit and do the sound design for for that as well um Goodness, I, uh, we've also, I've done the editing for uh, a lot of the stories that you'll hear in our International Podcasting Month uh, team. Um, last year, we, we opened it up to uh, actual plays and I did the majority of the editing for uh, quite a few of those. It is a lot of fun to hear people enjoying a game, even if I'm not the one playing it. So I I, I really do like uh, audio work for, for actual plays and for, for non-fiction types, but being able to, like, design a world and how a world sounds is also a very fun challenge to me because I'm, I as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm partially deaf, but because of that, I also get a lot of, like... Sound is very important to me. Um, I get sensory overload sometimes, um, and like need silence. But the way something sounds is so uh, uh, like delightfully communicative. Um, not only about the person who is making those sounds, but of of everything that came together in the world around it to cause that situation. And being given the chance to do that for an audio drama
0: um, has been a lot of fun as well. Yeah. So I'd say it's safe to say you've done a few things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, whenever I'm filling out like a, a an audition form or whenever I'm emailing something, I have to be like, OK, what have I done? Let me open up my resume and see what I've done so I can tell people about it.
0: <laughs> In the Podcast Problems Discord server, I think it was you who was saying that you have like this specialized mouse where you've like programmed a lot of shortcuts for editing.
1: Yes. Yeah, Um, I have a um, one, two, three, I have a five button mouse um, that in addition to the, I'm not going to mess around with it because it's going to do stuff to my recording, (laughs) but if I press press a certain button, it's T-pound to like control copy or it's T-pound to like delete something. Um, I think I've got um, pause and play, which is all in one button. I've got copy and paste, then I have delete, and then I have um, the like... It starts up noise reduction, but it doesn't go through the the entire process. But like, um, and that depends on also the type of program I'm using because I hop between Audacity and Adobe and will occasionally use Reaper for stuff. So I have different programs um, set within my mouse to work with different other programs. Wow. Um, And it just, yeah, it just, it, it makes things so much easier and it's such... I don't have to like touch my keyboard to do audio editing sometimes, which makes things just a lot easier and make things uh, like a uh, very very streamlined. Um, I've also found, um, shout out to uh, Jeffrey Stormer who runs Party of One podcast for creating this like how to do like audio uh, basic basic audio work on on all of your stuff that in um includes programs like the Level Later, um, which will like automatically. Like level and do EQs and a little bit of noise reduction on your your actual like wave file and and just a whole bunch of other stuff like you can even audio edit um i find it doesn't really work for audio fiction but for like actual plays and talk shows you can also like speed up the sound using a specific button on audacity and reaper as well and that makes it a little bit easier to like go through large chunks of file and then you can slow it down if you need to like edit out some ums or ahs or or rearrange a a section of it there's a lot of like little shortcuts that you kind of of just pick up as you're going along that i found help make all of all of this work easier
0: yeah don't mind me i'm just uh taking some notes over here
1: (laughs) um i can send you i can send you a link to uh uh, jeffrey stormer's uh sheet once we get done because it's so helpful and i'm pretty sure he's got it pinned somewhere on his his twitter which is party of one pod i think (laughs) Um, Let me drop my phone and make sure that I'm shouting him out right um, because where's Twitter? Here we go. I feel bad because I should know this enough. I'm on his podcast enough.
0: Um, I mean, I, I found no matter what the thing is and how knowledgeable I am about it, as soon as I have to like be live recording something, yep
1: yep i'm like uh no clue yeah um you can find jeff stormer on party of one pod on twitter he's got a lot of good stuff linked there and on his website as well but yeah thank god for him
0: (laughs) Uh, so you've mentioned uh the podcasting network that you were a part of i guess potentially still a part of so you're also a part of the piece of cake podcasting network which uh you're one of the producers for so can you talk a little bit about what that is
1: yeah, of course. Um, so the Peace of Tate Podcasting Network, or POCPN, is a podcasting network that was specifically created to help uplift Black voices and other marginalized identities within the podcasting community. Um, when I was first starting out as a voice actor, I got roped up in a script that was um, pretty racist. And uh, none of the producers of the network that that show was a part of thought to 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 say something about it, or they either like didn't read the script or didn't have any like any way to to address the situation because they were all you know a bunch of white folk who didn't know any better. Um, well, they they. <laughs> I'm not giving them a pass for it, but the things happened that they did. So me and the other co-star who was part of that decided that we wanted to set up a space within the voice acting community that was safe for people of color to be able to, A, speak up about that, but be free from all of the bullshit that we have to deal with, especially in a community that tends to be overwhelmingly white. We have a couple shows... uh, Mine included, null and void included. Uh, But we have a couple shows that are currently still in production that are being run under the POC flag. Uh, Let's see, we have the Fury. Uh, Hold on, let me pull up proper credits for everything, Um, which is something I should have done, but. um, We have uh, Disaster Youth uh, by Georgie, uh, which is going to be a like. Uh, talk show explaining black culture and things of that matter in media um, as well as black queer culture and how those two intersect we have the fury by Amar- amara augustine which is about a bunch of uh criminals fighting for their their city against a corrupt police force um then we have a vapor wave which i can't really give you too many details on um it is very science fiction i'm very excited for it but that will be um releasing all of its trailers and whatnot relative uh, pretty soon we we tend to do a lot of um, Uh, I guess, uh, like weekly writings, Um, I'll post a topic and be like, here, I wanna hear, right now we're doing um, villain monologues. Um, I posted uh, a couple of resources on what makes a good villain and asked them to write uh, either a villain monologue or a villain origin story or something to showcase a villain um, and how they can play into your story. And then we're doing a uh, a voice acting corner where I've posted a couple of my favorite villain monologues uh, throughout throughout media um one of them is uh azula's you weren't even playing the game uh monologue from avatar the last airbender um i've got the great one from uh pulp fiction with ezekiel uh, 17. um it's different ways for people to not only fletch their like voice acting chops but to to get more comfortable behind a mic and to hopefully inspire some creative stories that come come along with it as well
0: yeah that that all sounds fascinating (laughs) Um, And then, uh, so, another topic I was curious, so, and uh, this is also kind of, I feel like, already covered, but so why are you so passionate about uh, the representation of people of color and queer folk in media? Uh,
1: Because it's never... I, okay, I'm gonna be upfront and say I'm a pessimist. Um, I definitely view the world. Uh, that's okay, that's a lie. Um, I tend to be a pessimist. I really like being hopeful about things, but I like, I, I feel like I see the facts, and that the fact is, whenever someone is of a marginalized identity and is represented more often than not, if it's not written by the person of that same identity, it's not going to be written well. Um, I have seen so many like black roles for people who are the like sassy dedo, like best friend or the maid or like angry woman. And I wanted more for that. Um, I, especially as a biracial non-binary person of color don't see people who look like me in in media um i don't see people who have the same like family type or dynamic as me um or when i do it's because uh, they can use it to showcase pain or make our cis white het male stars feel better about themselves and it it was a a tough feeling and i sat down one day and was like why can't we see stuff like this? Why can't I, I write a story about a young mixed woman who has to deal with greedy corporate uh, uh, capitalistic nightmare billionaire f- people? Um, I, it, it, It's important to me because I want people to have good representations of of who people are um, and in the same way that like queer folks are always seen as like perverted or like the funny, like, uh, like made for a goof kind of, kind of character. I wanted people to be able to see a queer love uh, and have it just be normal to have it. It is normal, but I want it to be seen as normal and represented in media as something that everyone can have a chance to do because um, that that is important to me. I've, I have I have. it took me way too long to see a queer kiss on TV. And even then, when it was, it was played for a goof or a or like everyone was everyone acted disgusted by it. And it was like, we need the positive representation, not just for me, but for everyone else who's watching this, who doesn't know that they're gay or doesn't know that it is OK to be black or it is OK to be queer. And especially in the voice acting community um where we even get things like white people playing black roles which is not fair um especially when the person who is able to bring the most experience into a role is the person who has experienced those roles before and there's a lot that is missing out when you ignore these struggles that these actors have had to overcome and using that to bring that to a character um, sorry, I got off on a little bit of an angry rant there, but... Um,
0: no, no, don't be sorry at all.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I I am passionate about queer and, and black representation because we need better representation. We need to be better about how we represent our queer and marginalized characters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think that podcasts are any better at that than other forms of media?
1: <sighs> um, we are getting better is what I will say. We are definitely getting better. I know I have met so many queer folk through podcasting and had the opportunity to like actually sit down, sit down and talk with them about it. Um, and it's been, it's so refreshing, especially when we get to see stuff like, like in Hollywood where they just have the same five white actors every single time or the same two black actors any other time they need to to fill a a quote unquote diverse role. And like I, I I do find that a representation within podcasts is getting better only because there are so many there are so many podcasts. And because it is, It is. I suppose, easier for underrepresented folks to get into podcasting, which is why you see it more compared to other media. Um, you don't need a big fancy camera or a big fancy microphone to do or make a podcast. And in terms of like movies or TV shows, you need, you know, an actual budget for that kind of stuff.
0: And I know, I think my view on like diversity in podcasts is kind of skewed because I listen to so much in like the indie podcasting groups rather than like like the big name ones or like yes. God forbid like Joe Rogan or something. Oh,
1: fuck off. Not not you. Um, <laughs> <Joe Rogan. Yeah. laughs> um like there's there's so much more to podcasting than just talk shows and serials um and like the indie fiction indie audio drama community is just it's so so gay and i i I love it um i love how we've come together as a community to be like maybe we don't need to write the same five stories and cast the same two people over and over again maybe we can diversify a little bit and give voice to people who don't normally have it
0: yeah and uh just waiting for someone else to come along and invent podcasting for the first yeah. time. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> have you heard of Have you heard of Alice Isn't Dead? The very first podcast, even though it's hosted by a network that has a <laughs> million other podcasts <laughs> underneath it. Like, come on. Do just yep. a monitor of research, please.
0: <laughs> well, are there? Uh, we've kind of talked a lot about them, but are there any other projects uh, that you're either working on or in the works that you'd like to talk about?
1: Yes. Um, yes, I do. Um I have two uh I have I have three. I have okay, so I have a lot. I'm doing a so lot <laughs> doing so much. Um, at the moment, um I really want to talk about um, what will be here. Um it is a it is written by a uh, Tal Minier who does side questing. Um uh, it is a very a positive outlook on a sort of capitalistic a, a, a apocalypse world of all right. We've been taken over by all these corporations, and everyone is is a slave to capitalism. But let's look at the good that we can do for this world, and how communities come together under stress to preserve the this sense of being inside of these worlds that don't allow for for any sort of of anyone going against the grain it's a beautiful story um that I've had the 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 pleasure to to help write and edit um and I'm very excited for people to hear that the other one is currently one that is unnamed at this moment um that I am working on um, it's I guess my next my next podcast. It is a horror podcast, like a full-on horror, that is kind of along the same veins as a Russian doll, um, that one Netflix TV show in that a yarn uh, a young man finds himself repeating the same day over and over again and gets caught in this sort of ritualistic sacrifice by the community in which he is living and he has to find a way with him and a couple other other folks to break the cycle of this same horrific repeating day before it finally ends for good um we're going to be having a casting call sometime out this fall um we are Wrapping up on final edits for this thing, I'm very excited to be able to get it out into the world.
0: So you've hit on like my favorite trope of all time, <laughs> which is time loops, and I cannot get enough of them. Yeah. Uh, so I will be eagerly waiting for that one. I
1: it I was finally able to write the cult horror that I wanted to, and also have some fun with time 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 looping. Um, it'll it's it's gonna be good. I i I hope it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good, but also I hope it's going to be good,
0: <laughs> yeah, i I have no doubt well, so speaking of good podcasts, uh, are there any good podcasts that you've been enjoying lately?
1: uh yes, um, I want to shout out Veda. Veda is it's very short. It took me a week and a marathon. Veda is. A sci-fi adventure podcast. It it is uh, told through a single narrator, um, but it is it is extremely good. It's so well done. Um, not only is the narration engaging, but the the world uh, that is created through the use of sound effects and just just lore dropping is is so fantastic um, I, I highly recommend it, it it's about a, um, an assassin who uh, is forced to work for the government and their struggle to not only be free from the binds of this government but to make their mark as the world's best assassin and it is extremely good, it's a uh, Vega um, let me see, do they have a they don't have a Twitch link to their Twitter um oh come on do you have one cool well uh you can find their podcast at vegapodcast.lipson.com um and they have a whole bunch of other links there as well as a place to listen to the episodes apparently a season two is gonna be coming soon um i cannot wait but uh for now go, go listen to the first season it's very done.
0: yes and if you're lazy i'll uh, stick links to these podcasts in the show notes so you can just find them that way thank you
1: <laughs> Um, Dreambound is another one that I want to shout out. Uh Dreambound only has one episode right now. They just launched their crowdfunding campaign. Um Dreambound is written by a good friend of mine, um, Cena Breyer. Uh it is about a um it is oh god. Um what's that one anime? Um <sighs> shoot, I don't remember. Um it is I
0: only know like two animes, I so I can't help you. Um,
1: I know, same here. I'm so behind um it is it is a podcast that translates into anime extremely well it's about this guy who buys a video game and gets stuck in this video game world uh but his avatar is this cutesy little girl it is a very varied look at anime and that trope through a queer trans uh lens and pokes fun at a lot of the like n- like kind of terrible things we see about trans people in anime um and is actually Written by a trans woman, so you know it's gonna be in good hands. Um, it is delightful, it is hilarious, and it it really feels like you're listening to an anime, um, which is the best way I can describe it. It just captures that tone and feel extremely well for an audio medium.
0: That sounds uh much better than Sword Art Online, which yes, is the only anime. That was, anime I know. No,
1: that, was it, that was what I was thinking of. It, it okay, is, well, it is the best parts of Sword Art Online, but also really gay.
0: That's that's a very strong pitch. Yeah <laughs> So I like to close out the podcast with this question and uh, for consistency I'm still asking it, but it seemed like increasingly poor timing uh, So just what what's one thing that you happen to be excited about right now?
1: Oh, let's see. Um, I uh, my sourdough starter, which feels like I've hit that point in my, uh, COVID quarantine that I'm making sourdough, but like,
0: it's... <laughs> How very yeah. 2020.
1: Um, I, am. um, I got some, uh, some really good ingredients. I'm going to make a pizza tonight. Um, I, uh, found myself some cast iron stillets. And by found, I mean, I literally found them in the trash and then washed the ever living hell out of them. Um, And I'm going to make skillet pizza by hand, which is a very fun thought for me. (laughs) Um, Using a sourdough that I've been working on for, like, months at a time um, that's finally gotten to, like, the right consistency and right rise uh, to actually work for pizza. I guess another not-so-sad thing that I'm excited for is, uh... Oh, I actually... Hold on, I can't talk about that. Um... (laughs) Um,
0: the problem of being involved in so much I, i
1: know um oh goodness um i guess also animal crossing i'm always excited to play animal crossing but besides that just bread bread and video games um the new last of us 2 just came out um and i am saving up to to buy the game um because even though I've heard some terrible things about it, I've been watching some people play through it and it looks gorgeous. And I want to help the creators who were forced to work overtime and backbreaking situations. I want to be able to help pay them for their game and show my appreciation for it as well.
0: Yeah, well, Cole Burkhart, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: You can find Cole Burkhart on Twitter as at King Cole Miner, or at his website, coleburkhart.card.co. If your stomach's been grumbling and you're starting to feel hunger pains, Nolan Void is the perfect eat the rich sci-fi story you've been waiting for. As always, you can find us over at thefantasyend.com, or click the invite in the show notes to join our Discord server, where you can hang out with us in real time and find more books than you'll ever be able to read. If you enjoyed this interview, consider supporting us on Patreon. We're just a few dollars away from finally getting our last microphone. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you can catch all of our future episodes. That's it for this week. Until next time.